All right, I am Amy Fitches and I'm here with my girl, Peace. Woo! Peace the poet. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I so, love it. <laughs> Peace is, I don't know, like, I've only known you since we were just talking about this, but I've only known you since August, which is insane to me because honestly, you've become one of my closest peeps and just this beautiful breath of fresh air I needed here in Utah. You're a and boy. every moment I spend with you, the more I dig you. Like, and I knew from the second I saw you, like, <laughs> I just felt like a kinship with you. And then the, the more I know you, the more I'm like doubling down on that feeling of like kinship and just love for you. And I'm just so glad to be here in a part of your life and get to experience you because you impress the hell out of me <laughs> just as like a human and just your we were talking about authenticity, but just the way you show up and your realness and I don't know. Also just like the permission I think you give to those around you to be the same way. Yeah. So, Dude, thank I you for being in my this. life. Ah. Well, okay. <laughs> Quick back sheet on Amy though, because <laughs> I like to do those and I will continue to do those. Guess or not. Amy is powerful. This woman, you are strong as hell. Okay. On my good days. No, even on your bad days. Because, like, you own them, you show up in them. Do you know what I mean? To have the kind of family and community that, like, backs you the way that you back you, and then you back you the way that you back you to even say, hey, if this isn't working for me, I'm out. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Consistently, and I don't know if that's my fight or flight moment. No, I love it. I stand for that. I'm like, that's right. It's not working. Let's get out of here. Yeah, we're moving on. (laughs) We're moving on. We're moving on. Um, And I feel like our humor has been, like, super compatible since day one. But we're not just, like, surface, like, laughing, like, type of people. Like, we go deep. We have, like, real conversations. We have like real heavy stuff that we're like, oh yeah, like I once believed the world was only ever this way. <laughs> like the, the leaning into maybe the world is flat. No, we're just kidding. No, You're like no, we're that's never the day. There. That's, that's the day when you discovered that Amy was a flat earther. <laughs> you know what? I do like every once in a while. I think it's funny to think about if the world was flat. Oh my gosh! Like or just like all of the crazy conspiracy theories. Like just oh, the like idea. Those long of road trips. You're like, yeah. What if the part just fell off? <laughs> that, wouldn't that be the most hilarious? Like that's how I'd want to go. Exactly. I want to go in a really funny way. Like, like a, they were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, dude. Damn you, science! <laughs> that honestly would be a pretty crazy death because like, yeah. everyone would write about it like someone actually fell off the earth. Huh. Unbelievable! <laughs> and then finally, you would be famous. And, exactly like, done. Your family, which has been my pay. whole life goal, obviously, <laughs> just become a flat Earth proofer. Yeah. <laughs> and then wow. everything's good. This, this podcast took a turn. Real oh yeah, fast. this is also the way that we really, which is like part of why I love this friendship so much. Yes. Like, that yeah. and and Amy has been there with for me in the form of coffee, her house, conversations, her family, yeah. lemon bars, like snaps, cookies. Yeah, and like they were good because they're delicious, and everyone needs to be rewarded with some ruby snaps occasionally. They're basically or cakes. every Friday, essentially they're like little cakes. Yeah, yeah. little gourmet, beautiful <laughs> cakes named after women. After you guys left, I realized that, like, no one was forcing me to eat all the cookies at one time. And it wasn't that. You guys were, like, watching me do it, too. You're like, you're, you've got time. And I'm, like, <laughs> cutting them all. I was like, I have to taste every single one. And then I ate them all that when same day. When food is art, you have to, you do have to dabble in them, I think. Yeah. And that's been New York thing, speaking of you and being from New York. New York is, like, such a, like, gourmet place that you do, like, you buy things for the, like, tasting. Just to taste it. Like, it's not about indulging. It's about the experience and the taste and the flavors and um, I don't know. I get that about you. I miss that. Like, yeah. But I will say, okay, I had a weird moment. I was back in New York recently, uh-huh. and I got a chopped cheese sandwich from the deli. And like, love chopped cheese sandwiches. Yeah. Granted, I don't know this. This was a different deli, not one I've like normally frequented or whatever. Sure. I don't know. They just got tired with the pandemic, but like the chopped cheese just wasn't. I was not feeling it. It was not what it was supposed to be. <laughs> and I was like complaining about it to my friend, and she's from Chicago. And she goes, "So I like want to feel." with you but like what the hell is a chopped cheese sandwich um 
And Whatever like, your friend was saying, that's, yeah, that's exactly how I, what is a chopped cheese sandwich? <laughs> yeah, I was like, Let's oh. dive into oh. that. <laughs> it's like, like a thing. Like, so In my head, it's like a Philly cheesesteak, but I have no, no idea. No, okay. no, 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 way better. Tell I mean, me about take it. Take that, Philly. What happened Ooh, attacking an entire city. There I you know. go. Okay, actually, Philly has really great <laughs> Amish community ice cream and pretzels. Amish community is like the, I think the East Coast is very like low-key haven because they do, living in New York, they have some serious... Fun oh, stuff. You go to any farmer's market in, in the East Coast and oh, you get some serious Irish snackage, which is delicious. So if you guys are ever on the East Coast, check out any of the the farmer's markets because you get some delicious, good Amish food. She's so right. <clears throat> also, we're both East Coaster-ish in a way. I'm a global. I'm claiming the New York connection here. I'll, I'll like, take it. You know that's, I mean? how, like, that's how we connected. We're going we're gonna to take it. We're going to yeah. take it. But the way the chopped cheese sandwich works is like... Do you like have... How do I explain this? Do <laughs> 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 uh, you think of like a cheeseburger? Yeah. But just the meat part, you okay. like chop up the meat and like it's like seasoned or whatever, and then like they put the cheese, so it's like, like ground. a ground beef sandwich. Yeah, exactly. But it's on a roll. That sounds delicious. So it's like on a toasted roll, and then you've got like the lettuce, tomatoes, like onions, whatever. And Maybe so that's gonna be our side hustle. You and I will open up a chopped cheese sandwich for Utah. I think we could handle that I, here. I think we could have our own like bodega here because I saw one that was like too fancy to be a real. It was a New York inspired bodega. It was like far too clean. Yeah, had like I was like the health codes are up to par. So <laughs> this really is not gonna work. My husband always talks about if it looks too clean, like it's probably not for me. It should look like it had some like issues. Been some stuff, like it couldn't I mean? have gone through any health inspections at all. That's the place I want to eat at, which is ridiculous. But that's. No, I feel that. Like, sometimes yeah. I walk in and I'm like, this, is this t-shirt allowed here? <laughs> like, can I, you know what I mean? Should I yes. have button down for this yes. sandwich? Like, yes. I don't know. But, and sometimes it's funny, people do. Like, yeah. I've seen folks, like, dressed up to eat sandwiches, and I'm like, this doesn't add up at all. Yeah. We're sitting down for sandwiches. We're like, and then I'm like, the New Yorker and me is just fighting. <laughs> I'm like, I want to sit down for pasta or yeah. rice or, like, something, like, you Delicious. Know, yeah. Big. And I think that's one of the things I think the West Coast a little bit misses. We have street food. But not like the East Coast because oh, no. I feel like it's actually part of the lifestyle there. I need to take it easy. I'm gonna sit down and have my lunch, and you're just like, I don't have time for that. That's not I gotta take some drink. Yeah, Philly's no. Wrap it in some newspaper and let's eat it on the road. <laughs> Which I think that's. I, I spent some time in England and I feel like yeah. that's very much like East Coast and Europe. It's very similar where you like I wrap stuff so. in paper and let's eat it on the road. Let's take this and get yeah. out of here. And that to me, like if your paper isn't drenched in grease and delicious like mm. you're just missing something in that meal it's there's so something true. beautiful about that i agree but do we want to throw some questions at you yeah well i ask questions and it's probably like just a few on instagram okay so i'm just gonna read them out generally and we'll wrap it up but people wanted to know like things like what motivates you how do you cope with change what about yourself did you used to be ashamed of but are now not now love slash are proud of and then this one person who is peace in private Oh. Uh, and I was like sleeping so that's the base who is peace in private because I feel like you are one of those like larger than life figures like you mm. have this like beautiful like presence and it, I think the second time we hung out it was like at your party at yeah. your house you're like welcome to my new digs kind of party <laughs> and seeing you like be in like a huge group was just like beautiful because you do you like you're just a beautifully authentic person but you're like super inclusive and you're really curious and you want other people to like you encourage curiosity in others. So okay. tell me where like that comes threatening from. People at this party, like no. okay. <laughs> at this, this house party, okay. yeah. I, I like threatened a few people. I'm like, everybody, 
Yeah. Take out your phones. Go make a friend. We're doing it. This is New York. Yes. Go find somebody. Yeah. And it was funny because I think some people tried to escape without connecting, and then they actually did end up connecting. And now they're like they're cool. So it's just, but it was just like funny. I love that. And I, I think it was like such a beautiful, unique thing to do. And people react around their friend groups that maybe like they haven't met each other before. And they're almost like protective and they'll give, give you backstory, but they're not like encouraging genuine, like interpersonal relationships. And you did that. And yeah. so, yeah, I think that's, even though I think that's beautiful and that's the way the world should be, like it is unique to, to you and to very few people. So what, what drives you to show up that way? And cause it, it's beautiful and amazing and I think it just, it has to influence everyone you you come around. So what does that look like to you? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, I'm like, I'm pretty against being, like, clicky in any way. I think that there's, like, very few things yes. that I'm, like, for sure against. And I think that I think that would be one. Because I transferred a lot. So, like, I immigrated here. And then throughout all my schooling, I went to 13 separate schools. So I transferred a bunch. So either tuition got expensive and some other Catholic school was offering, like, a first-year discount. Kind of a well, thing. you got to take the first-year discount. You know what I mean? So my mom's like, how many first years can we do? We're like, it's to keep changing schools. <laughs> You're like, every year of high school was different because yeah. I got a discount. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because I think some people were like, she must have had some real behavioral issues. And I'm like, mm, it's more like coupons, like couponing for education. <laughs> I'm, I'm grouponing my way through school. <laughs> Your mom's just, I'm smart. I'm not a fool. I'm not going to be like paying top dollar for this school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're going to give a Catholic school education at cost. You know what I mean? Like, so we did some of that. Every once in a while, I got mixed in with some public school experience. Yeah. And the public schools I went to, though, were intense. Yeah. Um, like, I was always like, oh my God, it's a crime show. Like, <laughs> I like, I watched hair be ripped out. I watched people go through windows. I was like, like, we had like the bar detectors and stuff. I like, couldn't have a very different life from like the Catholic school. So I was like, yeah. oh my goodness. There are great public schools I learned later in life. Um, they're yeah. just not you in just New York weren't City. in them. <laughs> <laughs> like, or they're in like Manhattan where yes. they do the low key drugs and so everyone up top is great. But the, well, there like, you go. Dinner, the high class drugs. High class drugs. You know what I mean? Like, it's Manhattan. Not to crack the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, it's different, different school during yeah. there, but. Yeah, I transferred a bunch, and so I was always a new kid. Yeah. And so I think I have a ton of empathy for the new kid. Because yeah. so I've never been like a big fan of these are the cool kids and these are not the cool kids. I was like somehow always socially awkward and socially <laughs> accepted and also like well known. And yes. I, I always blamed it on the fact that my name is so easy to remember and people just don't believe it's a name. <laughs> so I think that's like a part of it. Like, I don't know if it's like me or if it's just like Who's peace? What kind of name is that? I would push back a little bit and say it's your energy because you've got like ridiculously awesome energy. Literally, I think when you showed up to Vincent's party, like the whole party scene like changed like it was fun. And then you showed up and it was like turned up to 11 because you just have that kind of like infectiousness. So I don't know. It's, it's I, I would so push back cool. and say maybe it's energy a little bit. Seeing too. like new people though. I like yes. love seeing new faces. Yeah. The weird thing about seeing so many new faces though yeah. is like over time this happens where I don't, you probably have experiences where you travel to different spots and you start to see people that look like other people and you're like oh my ah. god are we <laughs> do you know so it's like I just the day someone is tells me that they actually are related to someone I think they look I'm gonna lose my mind yeah but you're like I was right it's just crazy I'm like folks are just so like similar looking and they're yeah like, they're so different and everyone's so complicated and and then I'm also like I just want to meet as many people as I can. And then I get all upset when I can't remember stuff. I'm like, I can't remember. I will, so I'll remember hyper details about things they said about themselves with their story. Yeah. But names sometimes will escape me. And so I feel like I've 
had a habit of taking jobs that make me learn names. <laughs> so in college, like I became, I worked at the cafeteria. So now yeah. people would scan their practices. So I would study their names because what happened in college was I like, I wanted to move away. Yeah. So I went to Missouri. Yeah. And Which is an interesting place to want to move away to. But I guess when you live in New York, like that you do, everything's going to be a little bit downhill from there. A little bit. But also, I honestly probably would have never moved to Missouri if it wasn't for my church because yeah. I had already chosen a school. Yes. <laughs> I was going to go to Manhattan College. It was going to be a great life. I was going to be Jasper. Like, I even know their motto there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead, I went to Evangel where they were crusaders. <laughs> this is really a, that That, that checks out. That checks out. You're like, I'm going to go run this town. You know? Yeah, well, for like, God. For God. Oh, man. So what happened was, <laughs> it's like hard. It's so hard to verbalize it sometimes. So I'm yeah. like, man, I'm so in it. But I had put financial commitment down for Manhattan College after, like, applying to a bunch of schools. And I got, yeah. like, a, a good amount of acceptances. And I was like, okay, like, I have to make a decision. Couldn't make a decision. Didn't know how to make a decision that wasn't led by prayer or affirmed by the church in a thousand ways. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I chose Manhattan College, but I was still freaking out about it. My church takes me to this youth camp. The youth camp tells me that God doesn't want me there. And I go to Vanderbilt. Well, that checks out, right? that's the only Christian school I applied to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I'm like, must be, you know what I mean? So I moved to Missouri and then didn't want to transfer because I had spent all of middle school transferring. So like my big thing was like, I didn't transfer in high school, but I transferred a lot in middle school and elementary school. Yeah. Because the discount. Point, yeah. Because you got to get the first year discount. And in high school, I got lucky. I got sponsored my last three years because like yeah. I had like academic, like whatever. So they're smarty pants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they were like, we'll pay for you to go to school. And I was like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I will not let you down. So like I get to Missouri and I'm living there now, and I realize I don't know if I love this or not, but I can't transfer because I transfer all the time, and I want to stay somewhere. And I'm also really scared that I won't like fit in somewhere else if I like start over. I like have some like irrational fear about starting over sometimes. That is just, which is I think why I have like high empathy for like new people and like new situations. So I'm like, this must be the worst, isn't it? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like hate starting over so much. Which is interesting because I feel like that's exactly what you did when all you moved to Utah, <laughs> and you just threw it up and like literally changed careers and locations and friends and your entire support group like yeah. everything like you just threw it all out the window and did it like how did that happen to go from yeah. someone who is literally had this fear of change and starting over to being a person who embraced it and like from the outside like it appears yeah. that it is become your lifestyle is pushing yourself into these situations where it isn't super comfortable and you do have to like change and flex and start over and create which I think is beautiful and like impressive as hell, <laughs> but it is, it, it, it is leaning into those fears. So how oh, yeah. on earth did you go from like a situation where literally you couldn't do anything without prayer to like something where you like literally just went for it and threw everything to the wind and leaned into that, the discomfort of, of starting over yeah. so majorly piece like that's so huge and yeah. so completely and by yourself so it's like weird. I feel like on some level I like, Oh, oh New York, a huge thank you. Yeah. And then I like, Oh my family's fluctuating finances, a thank you. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, like, Amen to, th to yeah, fluctuating finances because that's the invention, I think, of... of Resourcefulness. Of, yes. And to, like, looking at the world completely different. You're like, how do I make something of this nothing? Yeah. And like, how do I survive this hard time? I think, like, a big part of that is... So, I don't come from, like, a hyper-secure background. Yeah. So, 
I think with that, like friends were not guaranteed. So the school that I was in, I'm yeah. like, I may not be here next year. Nothing I do matters. I don't. Only thing that I knew counted wow. was like my salvation, which is like, isn't that interesting? Because and I feel like systems are built around that too, to a certain extent, like with the idea of feeling that way. Yeah. So that you do focus on that. That is where you put your energy. Because why would you put something if you're not guaranteed? A hundred percent. Like so, the other side of it. Like even though I feel like I have a very like full on way of engaging life in general, yeah. I was not invested in any of my engagements because yes. I felt like this is all great right now. So I'm not having a bad time. And also the only thing that matters is we're going to die one day. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And like the afterlife. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like that's like yeah. really all I like could think about. I get the death part. Yeah. I, then I would hyper fixate. I'm like, yeah. how am I going to go? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like, what's going to happen to me? Yes. And that's like the beginning of all like the anxious patterns and stuff. I just wasn't like, I was never like in this world. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm, like truly like when I look at my childhood, like I just wasn't here. In the Bronx, like I had, like my neighbors were doing stuff and I would always imagine like, what would it be like to be part of their like gang life? You know I mean? like, and like I gave them nicknames like from the window because like, when you're sheltered like, but like in the hood. <laughs> you're like I'm gonna have safety here but you are gonna be Pedro and Pedro your life looks like this yeah and you are my best friend and we do this together a hundred percent I was like I called we the keep it dude. real in the hood <laughs> dude there was one guy who kept going in and out of jail uh-huh and I called him french fries and like my the fact that my siblings know who I'm talking about is crazy to me like yeah because I talked about french fries like we were best friends like we did everything obviously together. you and french fries are best friends in a way <laughs> like we just did all the stuff and like I'd like look out the window like French fries is back. And I'm like, that's not your friend. I'm like, you don't know me, mom. (laughs) Yeah, I went through a whole thing where I was like doing like the graffiti, like Superman S's and stuff. You know what I mean? And I was like listening to only rap music and I'm like, my life is so hard. I'm like, oh. You're like, I'm just bringing this real life street action to the world, mom. You just don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. Live from my bunk bed. (laughs) (laughs) My sheltered religious upbringing is not going to just translate to you mom you just don't (laughs) get it it. and it's crazy because i feel like on some level like there's a part that's so crazy like there's such a thin fabric between the world that i thought i was like putting myself into mentally and i think i was doing it because i knew that like the fabric of my parents sheltering was so thin yeah that it could very easily be my life like how close was there was a guy living downstairs in like our apartment in the bronx he was like like 15 16 or whatever yeah he pissed off the wrong person they came into his apartment and killed him right lovely downstairs right yeah. so we come home and there's like all these like emt people like they're taking the body out and i'm just like what's going on wow you know? and my parents are like i don't know what they told me but i believed it and, <laughs> and as like, you do you know what i mean like as didn't have do. any questions and i was like oh i just like the world but god has protected us and that was also like it adds more to that faith thing of like yeah. when you see like things going wrong with people that are like right next door yeah it is this like this idea of safety but even though it's right next door even though it's happening right in my hood even though it's happening right below me it's not i'm safe because i'm safe because i accepted god as my lord and savior so like moving on 100 percent. like we would never leave the house without anointing oil on our forehead you know what i mean so i just felt like i'm protected i'm set apart so this is irrational but i remember someone actually taught this sermon and i held on to this for years with it i was away on a missions field somewhere i don't even know it's a true story now like i'm like was this true and he was like and they were shooting everybody and people were going down left right center all over and the bullets never hit me and i was like oh my god and like i was like listening to this and i thought to myself that's how god's gonna protect me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which which I think can be really comforting as an individual, but when you think about it, like, if you sit back and think about it, like, in the scheme of the world, it just really fucked up with the idea. It's just that like if they had accepted the Lord and Savior, then their asses wouldn't have been 
lead out and shut up. It's not understanding like the, the nuance of just life is fucking hard and we all are just trying to survive and like things happen kind of thing. I don't know, like but having that control, which I think religion often affords, yeah. does give you like some, I think that's why so many people hold on so tightly to those traditions because, yeah. yeah, and superstitions in general, like just like having a superstition where it's just, I walked backwards out my door and so I'm good for the next 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. Whatever it is that you decide to, whatever it is you decide to buy into yeah. that gives you peace, like sometimes that's all, all you can do to show up and live life because life is hard. It is hard. And I think that like the thing is because I had such an idea that like God protects me the Bronx is like, sometimes yeah. it's great, sometimes it's not so great. Yeah. Like, no matter what, my family has strong rules. I have to obey my parents because yeah. that's what's right. And also, like, at a drop of a dime, God yeah. says to do this. If I tell my mom God said to do it, she feels confirmed, I'm doing it. Yeah. So it doesn't even, my parents could have really strong rules. Yeah. Right? But they, they didn't because all of their rules were followed up. Yeah, they, it's a kind of a way, a workaround. I got on board on this, parents are like a shoe-in. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Except for I was also really paranoid about life. I'm like, is God on board? Is he on board? I don't know. I don't know. So that was like yes. my whole like, tumultuous whatever. But I felt like that was the beginning of me making big radical changes in the Bronx because Interesting. it was like, I prayed about this and I feel really strongly that I'm supposed to go to this random community that I don't know and do something there. And so I would go there with such like an unction. Like I felt like this was my calling to be here. And yeah. like it probably was just like a volunteer sign up thing that we were just all doing. But I felt like I was doing it with purpose. And so I'd get there and I was like the most like intense like service you've ever seen. Like I'm like I'm here. It's like <laughs> higher power. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm gonna do this stuff. I'm gonna go For hand sure. out these cookies. Or I'm gonna go oh, show totally. up and, and, and save everybody. Which I think is like beautiful but how do you pivot from something like a really stringent religious background which I think tends to lean away from like the intuitive or listening to yourself yeah so how do you go because I think you're pretty intuitive so that's another question like how do you go from like always looking outside yourself for the answers or always looking to someone else or your parents or God to then pivoting to oh how do I feel about this and like how do I show up better in this and and how do you make those decisions because you're obviously doing that yeah and that I think I, th I think of intuition as like a muscle mm -hmm. and in my head and I don't know if I just I sucked at it because I grew up in a pretty religious household yeah. and so I was always looking for anyone else's opinion like, beside please. myself so my intuition was super weak so knowing that you seem like super intuitive from the outside so how do you make that how did that work like how mm -hmm. did you was it just, do you think, following that this is God's will, so I'm going to go do this, like, really intensive thing, like, move across country or whatever, and then that led to, like, more, like, yeah. movements where they, they were, like, scary, and then you became more intuitive, or what did that look like for you? Yeah, I think, like, a number of things happened. Like, I would fall into, I trust God, I'm going to go do this really big thing. And yeah. Like, it was, like, a big thing, another big thing, it's, like, perform for this, like, large community, or it's go and fly to this other country, or go to this other state and do this. So I had, like was the first one in my family that started like leaving New York regularly to like, yes. go to different places and do stuff. And even within New York City, like I was always like exploring all the boroughs, which isn't common for like people in the Bronx. Like, no, 100% it's yeah, not common. Folks are just like, if you're in Spanish why? Harlem, you're in Spanish Harlem. You're 100%, not going like, to be yeah. walking out and going to Chinatown. Like, what's happening in Queens? No. None of your business. <laughs> you know I mean? That is you not my hometown. That is not what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, because you don't know the community it's out there. So Those things don't protect you. Like, yes. it's like, even I've never been a part of gang activity in my life. But they know who I am. And yes. even when I come back on trips, they're like, you're back. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, how French fry, I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's good to see you, man. You're getting, like, different looking. You know? <laughs> um, but I just would like, go and do stuff. And yeah. I think because I felt this, I felt purpose. I felt protected. I felt like I could not fail. Like, I, like, that's, it felt 
like within the belief system I felt okay to just try a bunch of stuff wow. once like I started to see more of like issues in consistency with like leadership and even like with values that are expressed but then like religion what's institutionalized like how that shows up sure and then all the ways that like, I actually realized I didn't trust myself because I trusted like my leaders to confirm or I trusted my family to protect and guide like, and I realized I was just scared I, it took me like like years to like own that feeling to just be like I think I'm just scared of trying and being wrong and so I had to this is a very dramatic thing that I didn't I'm not saying other people have to do this <laughs> but like I took this to a very dark place I like sat down with myself and was like, worst case scenario, just go shoot to the end of it. What is yeah. it? And I was like, I'm going to hell. <laughs> and no, like I, I had you to. sat with it. I had to go there. I had to go there mentally. And I just came to a, I started to imagine a world where I for sure did the best that I could in this life. Yeah. It wasn't good enough. I messed up a bunch. I died. I like was in the afterworld or whatever. And then I went to hell. And there's nothing I could do about it at that point. And I realized that that's essentially also this life. Like whoa i can't yes. do anything yes about what i don't understand <laughs> and so like and how do you learn if you're terrified and, and stuck where you are i just can't and i had so many like breakdowns in that moment like and there was like it was like multiple moments like it's like months years of this stuff yeah. like working through and accepting like what happens if i'm wrong because someone actually said something out of i've always been like 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 I was a huge bookworm as a kid. Like yeah. loved listening to like podcasts. I listened to a million TED Talks. Like like so much listening. And like outside listening too. So even though I was like really in my community, I was always like gathering information from other places. I just didn't always feel freedom to act <coughs> on the information because I was like really misguided. But after a while I was like, well what if they're not? Right. So like the curiosity helped. Yeah. And then like resources also helped. And I think what also helped me was just meeting people and getting really curious. I would meet folks who were just amazing. Yeah. But they were living such different lifestyles. And then I would go home weeping because I'm like, they're, they yeah. don't believe what I believe. And I think at some point it just stopped making sense to me. Like that line of logic didn't work. Because they're good people outside. So the idea of like them being tortured forever doesn't yeah, jive with wasn't... You, your experience of them being solid humans. For sure. Because like what I started to do mentally was like I, I create like these like exercises in my brain. And so one of the exercises that I came up with was like, okay, if I have been raised to believe God is compassionate, I'm going to think about all the compassionate people that I have experienced in this life, like humans that I've touched and engaged. So I like came up with like friends and teachers and counselors and therapists. And I just thought, because I used to be so secretive yeah. about every bad thing that I thought was bad. And yeah. I would never share. Because there's shame around it, right? So much shame. Like I've got like a whole like shame patterns, like identity thing, like whatever. Yeah. And so I, like, would never share, like, anything that was yeah. even remotely bad. But, like, or what I'm, you considered bad. Yeah. Yeah. So once I started to get really into talking to people and, like, sharing more and, like, I, I got started overshare. <laughs> I was like, oh, boundaries be damned. You're <laughs> like, pendulum swung. <laughs> Here's every secret I've ever held. <laughs> You're welcome, Laurel. <laughs> They're like, we did not want this information. Um, You're like, but, sorry, you guys asked for it. Oh, you didn't? Oh, here it comes anyways. <laughs> yeah. And I think what I was really trying to figure out is, like, what is it going to take for someone to stop wanting to know me? Yeah. Like, at what point of information are they going to be like, ah, I'm good. You yeah. know what I mean? And for some people, that was, like, sooner than others. But other people, like, their threshold was, like, pretty, like, wide. And then uh, all of a sudden, you're, like, BFFs with those people. Like, because they've uh, heard you. They've heard you're ugly or what you considered ugly. And they're like, nah, girl, that's me too. We're cool with it. So, like, it made me, like, start to reconsider. And I realized that even though I had built this life around prayer, yeah, a lot of other things were also true. I would never pray without feeling like I had somehow paid back 
for a sin. And so if I like did something in private that I thought was bad, I would just do a million good things that day. Yeah. And listen to a bunch of worship music and get myself in the and this is not actually what the faith teaches you to do, right? No. But this is what institutionalized you. religion teaches you to do. Yes. And like so I think like I got into a space where I like wouldn't talk to God unless I felt like I had somehow like like warmed him back up. You're you like, know what I mean? like you should see what I did Tuesday, Lord. And I was out there. I nailed it. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna really want to get caught with me now. And I'm like not saying that we're not BFFs, but now you're we're, we're super tight. We're, but once I started hanging out with folks and I like really started experiencing more of that unconditional, like really radical acceptance. And I've like I've met so many types of people who like can accept me conditionally in different ways. And that's totally fine. Uh, and then there's other people like far more rare who like really just I'm cool with you you know what I mean yeah and so like I started to like and then I found like a good therapist in New York at one point and so I started to reframe my thinking about God as a character and I was like okay if God is truly compassionate yeah then this should be a safer space yeah then or even just as safe because I don't know that I can picture safer because this is the safest I have felt so just as safe as like when I go to a therapist sure. and like unload a good one, not like a shitty therapist. Like, or when I am like sharing like a really heavy time with a friend and I feel like I'm not being chastised or corrected or like whatever. And so I thought, okay, but I don't actually feel those things. And then I like started to lift, like I made like a list of, so this was like a really thought out, like stepping away from the church like thing. Like I made a huge list of all the things that I proclaimed that I felt about God. Um, and I felt so strongly that I was supposed to feel those things that like, I never questioned if I did. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I was just like, I, I, well, I trust you. Well, you don't even get permission to do that, I think, as a kid, when a belief system is handed to you oh, yeah. or inherited. Like, you don't get the questioning thing. Or even if you had those moments, I remember as a kid thinking, that doesn't sound right, or that sounds like awful convenient or whatever. <laughs> it's interesting. But I think that's where it stops because you're just like, but this is my mom and or this is my dad. Or right. I'm hearing this from a, an authority figure that seems pretty square, so we're just going to let it pass. <laughs> that's yeah. like as far as you dig deep. So, so it sounds like you actually, like this time is what you took to actually dig in and actually think about it in a critical way based on like, actual life experience and sure. how what a gift and beautiful thing that is to do with anything mm -hmm. be it religion or anything that you're doing in life to like oh, actually totally. take that time to like to sit down and go is this real or is this like something that I'm digging into because it's comforting or because it's this or that or the other and am I even just like our thoughts on ourselves we've talked about like body positivity or this or that and the other what stories am I telling myself Oh my god. That gosh. may not be true and it's usually all of them you're like you have this yeah. narrative that you've been carrying around forever in your pocket and you're like but am I yeah, I, I remember having the my my ground, sh sh like shaking thing was like I I was starting to walk regularly like a lot, and I was like at the doctor's office and they're like, oh, are you training for a marathon? And I literally laughed because I'm like, oh no, I'm not an athlete, like I'm not that person. And then I went home and was so uncomfortable that I laughed, that I'm like, ooh, why was that my reaction? Like why was that my thing? And I was like, why not me? Why can't I do this? And so, like, when you're saying this, I'm like, yeah, like, I think that's relative to so many humans, like, when we give ourselves permission to unwrite yeah. and unwrite what we've decided about ourselves or our situation or, and religion is, like, such it's a big such one. such a big one, yeah. And it sounds It goes like into everything, like, because yeah. even the way that I, like, understand friendships and, like, people yeah. now are so different because I don't have a job. Every time yeah. I go and meet someone. Yeah, you're not trying to convert them or save them, or rescue someone or be the best yeah yeah because sometimes you can be middle like 
So no, totally. you show up and this is the best I could do today is I have <laughs> flip-flops on and I put pants on. You're welcome. Like, yes. this, is, this is as good as it gets. <laughs> this is what I got. No, but that's also, I think, why I couldn't be myself, really. I, like, so when people like, just be yourself. I was like, I don't know, man. I feel like I can't do that because there are rules. Like, I'm the oldest. There's, I'm like, immigrant family. I'm, like, faith community i'm supposed to make it in the bronx i'm supposed to make it out the bronx there's like in general you're like i'm supposed you know to be I mean? a doctor yeah <laughs> i'm like there's like religious stuff there's social economic stuff there's racial stuff and every time i met like a black woman mentor who i had they or like a black man they and i and i understand this was coming from they've seen the world they know the world they want to save you pain yeah they are and they, they would always kind of tell me peace you can't afford to live your life walking around in t-shirts and stuff Ooh. like you're you need to dress the part. You need to like show the people because they don't expect good things from you. They're like, you've got to understand that like these, like the intentions, like all the stuff that some people are like, I think you're well-meaning. I think you're like all the stuff, like it doesn't always come through or like, maybe it seems like it's forced. Like, it doesn't translate the same across like demographics, just yeah. like on an external, right? No, that, that I couldn't process that. I feel like because in my brain, in my household, my family was never like, oh, I know we're black, but like the biggest thing in our household is that we're Nigerian. Right? Yeah. And I think the other big thing is that we're not just Nigerians, but we're Nigerians who are set apart and who are destined for such a time. And this is literally like the way that I was raised. Like, someone would raise like a fiction character. But I feel like we're all fictional characters. Like, all of, bit, this, yeah. all, of the, all of these stories we tell ourselves or have been told to us. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think like I had this sense of, yeah, so like maybe, and I didn't realize this was problematic at the time. Um, <laughs> I was like, so maybe like you guys don't hire every black person. But. Yeah. I'm you're gonna Niger- hire me. I'm like, a Nigerian princess. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're gonna like me. Yeah. And like this, like and like later on, I got older and I realized like I had bought into an anti-black perspective of exceptionalism. Wow. Where I had really allowed because all the topics I went to I had a bunch of Irish and Italian like teachers who were telling me you're special, you're different, you're articulate, and I thought Ooh. it was like a compliment. But you it's know? not. It's that backhanded like. And I looked back and I went, they think so little of black people that like I'm you showing up and being you. Which, honestly, I think no matter what, you're exceptional anyways. But, yeah, but they were putting you aside because of your race. You're like, because of your race, you showing up this way is exceptional. Oh, totally, yeah. Literally, at every school I had been to, I had somehow ended up on every brochure, which is, like, really good. Wow. And I was only there for a year. You were the black poster girl for... 100%. For, like, my churches, (laughs) for the camps, for the schools. Like, it was, like, that's just... That's just there. I hope you got some royalties on that. Make no money. Never (laughs) make money. You're, like, you're doing it for God, but, like, also... I'm, like, I'm going to have so many taxes for you (laughs) in the afterlife. (laughs) Can you just... But it just was such... It was such an interesting thing, kind of realizing, oh, like, this isn't helpful thinking. And I also realized, like, in New York, like, everyone's sub-segments is, like, a form of protection. They're like, oh, I'm not black, I'm Jamaican, I'm not black, I'm, like, I'm Puerto Rican, or I'm just a dark-skinned Puerto Rican, but my family. And so people would do that a lot. Yeah. And, but white people did that, too, when they were like, I'm Italian. Like, I'm like... Oh, a hundred percent. Like, like that's. I, mean? like, I think I struggled that with that the most when I got to New York, and I was so surprised at how segregated... And maybe this was because I lived in pretty whitewashed communities yeah. a lot. I, I was, thought you were Italian from jump. Like, as well, soon as I saw I you, am Italian. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, in my brain, you're still Amy the Italian. Like, I yeah, still have it. My, last, my maiden name was Paracci. So, yeah, that checks out, like, 100%. But, like, I was surprised at how divided it, it was. It was so, like, deliberately segregated. Yeah. That it was just, like, yeah, I, I would imagine, like, that part of the identity is, like, it's huge, huge growing up in that environment. Because so huge. just seeing it for the first time was, like, ultra like unnerving mm-hmm. if you haven't experienced it to that degree because it was just like oh this is interesting like when you go through 
Harlem, you're in Harlem. There's no doubts. Like when you're on the train <laughs> no and then you, you get to turn to you're in Chinatown, like you don't need to see signs. There doesn't need to be anything like where you are when you're there. Yeah. So there's something crazy just about like how incredibly divided it is. I'd imagine it would feel. But even in school, because like whenever I would transfer to certain schools, like people sat with their racial groups. Yeah. And they would speak their languages in school. And so like the Albanians were together. The Italians were together. And so that's why I didn't see white people as like a general or white people. Because like they all all the the Italian or Irish because that's a different table. (laughs) Because I'm like all white people have a language. They have a vibe. They like, yeah. And it was not very often that you had people that were just like floating all the way through. So you were that person. I was a floater. You were the floater. I've always been a floater. You know what I mean? And like it didn't, it, you didn't get no like street credit for being a floater. You just float. No. Like, you're just generally palpable. But like you said, like you had that acceptance. And I wonder if it's because you did have this awareness and because you are like a super intelligent human, like the fact that you took time to hear different stories and do research and be like studious and read and do all that thing. I, I wonder if that life experience allowed mm-hmm. you to see things what they are which is pretty ridiculous when you look at it like how divisive and but i think also i definitely stepped on a lot of toes like i would say some crazy stuff that just would make the roots (laughs) react because they were like where the fuck did you hear this who is this girl and i'm like i i think i'm right about this and then they're like no you're not i need to hear an example of this you're so wrong that i can't i I can't even like it just i don't know i'm like i don't want to claim it (laughs) you're like you're like it's too fresh that's that's gonna be season two but like, I would say some crazy stuff that I yeah. could never stand by now. And it's so wild because people would just have to correct me. They're like, I can't let you go another day. <laughs> but isn't that beautiful to be surrounded by people where you actually had the emotional bandwidth to call you out on shit? Oh, because there's yeah. like, we all say stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's nice to have someone to actually, because a lot of people just, nah, I'm not going to hang out with that human anymore. They're like suspect. But like yeah. having someone who's, no, I like, I want to keep her, but also this is problematic. This is I'm going to need to say something. <laughs> so I think that shows to like you as a human, like people genuinely want good things for you and want, we all going to make, we're all going to say dumb shit. So <laughs> like yeah, yeah. consistently and daily usually, but <laughs> having, <laughs> having an FA, bandwidth where people are able to call you out it's huge mm. and being the person who takes it like oh truly yeah that's amazing i like needed to and so like i think the other thing that i started to realize like after leaving new york and going to missouri is like, i but that's i think my like black awakening is like when i started like realizing oh like i'm in the subcategory of like i'm nigerian american i was really struggling with the part about i would always just say i'm nigerian like i wouldn't even claim america honestly <laughs> i just I was like no which is fair enough i think over the last four or five years we can see none of yeah it. i mean actually 200 years if we go back like far enough yeah like we can trash a lot of american history is not it's I'm problematic like, i don't know about this i would always be like i'm nigerian or i'm a nigerian new yorker like i would do that a lot like i would never like, like, like specifically this city. block i don't know if you know this guy french fry <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like the house by french fry like that's the kind that's of my this is the kind of human i am I'm, you know what I mean? I'm french fries gal <laughs> is he still alive i don't know this is like the thing that i, I went back and i didn't see him so i was like i'm not sure where maybe he is. he's maybe he's on a staycation in prison right now but he'll be back know. later <laughs> His hair was always changing. I went yeah. at him one time, felt bold, ran home, freaking out. Like, oh, oh my gosh, gosh that's got awesome. too far. <laughs> You're like, I did it. I did it. I did it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no regrets. Um, it's so sad. Like, this looks so embarrassing. But but I feel like a lot of childhood is like that cringeworthy moments where you look back and go, ooh. That's so weird. I yeah. did that. Why did I do that? 
I remember we were like hitting puberty, and like me and my neighbor were both like looking at each other, and I was like, "I'm bigger than you." It's like, "I'm bigger than you." And they're like, "I'll show you." <laughs> it's like it's a really weird behavior. Like it's like kids, like why are we like this as kids? This is we can't hang out in like the parks, but we'll just yell through the windows, you know what I mean? Yeah. Apartment to apartment, and then roll the windows down and tell our parents we weren't talking. To You're ourselves. like what? We weren't talking to our neighbors. Why yeah. would we do that? It's yeah. unsafe. Yeah, exactly. I would never. At a time like this, I could never. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when I moved to Missouri, I think I, like, started to experience, like, broader black America. Yeah. And, because I would walk up to folks and be like, waggle on. Like, I assume they were Jamaican. And they'd be like, I'm from this city in this state. And I was like, yeah, but your ancestors, like, where are you people from? You're like, like you're obviously Jamaican. For sure. And then they're like... <laughs> No, I'm just American. I was like, what do you mean you're American? That doesn't mean anything. What are you saying to me? Like, You're like, you are not, you don't understand how this breaks down. I'm from New York. Let me tell you. Like, for sure. I'm like, you have a subcategory. You belong. So like, are you Dominican? Are you Haitian? Like what? Like Honduran? Are you like, dark Puerto Rican? Like, <laughs> I started listing every country I could find. And people were like, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, I'm just American. And I'm yeah. like, so that was like the moment that I started to like really understand like, like how bad it is to be like stripped of. Like, I understood like, in the storyline way that how slavery worked in school. Because yeah. my family was really big about Nigerian history, so I didn't, like, hyper-focus yeah. on American, like, black history. I was like, wait a minute, this is actually an alarming thing to take people, primarily from West Africa, bring them to all these, like, various islands against their and then strip the access to, like, be able to say where you're from when you are clearly, do you know what I mean? Like, like you just, you can't even verbalize, a, like, a country you don't have. And if you went back, like, I had a friend who, like, from Harlem tried to go back, and... He was so Harlem that... Yeah, like, how are you going to show up and be like, I'm going to harvest some shea butter? It's just not something Yeah, like, he was like, we're the same people. And they're like, no, we're not. And I was like, so now he's feeling that, like, ethnic homelessness. Like, he's, I'm not, like, I'm not here, I'm not there. That third culture kid type yeah. scenario. I, I, I get that even just from spending time in an Air Force in a different country. It's just in an Air Force base in a different country. It's just like you do. He's... Oh, totally. you, you don't relate to your home anymore and you don't relate to the new country as much so you're kind of in between where like you get like head nods from weird people that like also are weird in third culture and don't get those it those are my people I yeah. feel because like the thing is like I had the safety of being in New York as an immigrant because New York is such an immigrant city yes that like I could keep so much of my culture yeah and like still be in the Bronx and engage it as like the inside outside party but then I had the but overall, like, blanketing of, like, faith to cover yeah. me and all the shortcomings that come with that or whatever. And I was pretty square. So it just all those things, like, to it, it makes, like, a weird but, like, pretty compact life. Like, yeah. it's not going to hurt anybody. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, moving to Missouri was, like, big on a lot of levels because it was the first time that someone – I remember the first time someone said to me that they just saw me and assumed I was black. I was confused because – People in New York would see me and knew that I was Nigerian or that I was from somewhere in West Africa yeah. from my face. So I've never had like a situation where someone didn't make that connection. And so I was in Missouri and they're like, oh yeah, like that's like the black girl in my class. And I was like, what black what girl? Are you? Like, yeah. And they're like, you. And I'm like, yeah. I'm Nigerian. <laughs> and by the time I graduated Evangel, everyone would always say peace is Nigerian because that's how often I said it and that's how much it meant to me. And yeah. I started to like really question the fact that like a majority of that's a very American thing to do to strip you down to just the like, color yeah. of your skin. But then I realized that it's actually important it's an important distinction because like it's huge. There's it, there are black people in our school, but the, the number of black people that went to our university were actually like like black culturally because they have no other like nation that they can like claim necessarily. Right. right. Like black culturally 
They were just American. Yeah, and they were being like erased by, so this is like a weird thing that was happening. I'm a third culture immigrant person. And then a lot of the other people who got into my school and like also were funded and whatever, were also like third culture immigrant people who just also were black, but were like more palpable because of the immigrant background or whatever. There was probably like three or four like black American people that graduated from my class compared to like 20 something of us that were there. And so then I realized that there's even like a sub-segmentation that's happening. And then like this was the beginning of me like diving into the divide amongst like African people, black people, Caribbean people in America. And I like racism is it's like a real I think it's a real like power struggle. So it's not it's not like it's like racism within like black communities that are segmented because that's like usually a survival yeah. response like to be split. But like the whole like white supremacist culture like it trickles in such a way that like you can't even love your own well because you're always like finding like the rubric is still it still applies like it's like how close to whiteness can this particular subset get which is why i think a lot of like spanish community right like how there's like nuance there right and there's like nuance in like a lot of african caribbean and like and new york recognizes this nuance and capitalizes it too yeah but the rest of america doesn't really get it so it's completely erased as like a conversation doesn't even happen i go to a place and i'm just black this was like the beginning of being very confused about that but at least i still had the automatic assumption that i was a christian because i went to that school yeah but when i like left and started going to other places i was now entering like different parts of middle america as and also we just assumed you didn't have a faith group or we don't know what you're it's not on your face it's not something yeah. you're carrying around or... so it's like i just wasn't being associated with like certain things externally and so it gave me like time to step back and understand that like whatever general treatment applies to black people also applies to me whatever general treatment applies to women also applies to me because i went to a lot of all-girls schools so i didn't focus on like gender and all that stuff whatever and i was like oh whatever general treatment applies to like non-religious people who don't like present as hyper christian right also applies so this is like the beginning of like like me like really starting to care you're like actually in the world too for the very first time where you don't have your community where you're they know you're nigerian you're not they know i'm christian and and they know know, yeah yeah like people don't know stuff about you You start like leaving your hometown and you're like getting all of these labels forced on you that you have no association with and don't even feel so you're that piece that has to feel and maybe it doesn't but i would imagine it would feel like a lot it would feel like, it, it does. Like, you have to fight back and maybe even, I would, like, how, because you don't seem at all like a defensive person. Did you go through a stage of defensiveness? Mm-hmm. Or did you just go straight to, like, the, this is who I am? Or did you have to delve into that? Or what did that no, look I've like? No, I've been real defensive. I, would, I was, like, defensive. I was argumentative. I, like, would have a bunch of, like, attitude about yeah. stuff, like, I'd also was like weirdly avoidant sometimes because like it's exhausting. Yeah, if it was just like I was like, all right, this is like too much. I just just cut them off. I don't care. Like, yeah. I don't, and like, I could, I still have some of those like habits for sure. But I think usually like I don't get to cutting people off until I've like I've exhausted conversation with them until like emotionally I literally don't have anything to give. Like I'm like I don't have anything to offer the space anymore. Yeah. And at this point, I think this is just your journey and it's separate from me, and I don't want to be connected with. Yeah, you. I can't like, carry you up the hill of this. Yeah, like, like this, this is, is going to work. Your jam. No. Yeah. I've given you the tools and you're, <laughs> you're setting them down. And <laughs> Goodbye. Maybe you find them later. Yeah. I have to go find a chiropractor now. <laughs> yeah. I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. We're all exhausted. Everyone's tired. But I, I think it's just, it's been interesting, like, thinking about who am I 
like because I might have an internal like upbringing and like a way of understanding myself and a way of functioning and flowing away but what's also true is that like racial segmentation is an external thing that's applied to you yeah um, and it's not something you can choose so yeah it's not like you can you can't there's nothing that you can do to avoid that it's not like you're going to show up and be like have a name tag that says leave this label yeah. at the door because I'm, I'm not dealing with the shit right now because it's bullshit and but because I'm like not black American right yeah. like I didn't grow up hearing these things yeah from like my parents going and like my grandparents telling me how this country has always been I didn't I discovered it over time like I was in Missouri with a friend of mine. We were driving and we were pulled over. I didn't know the rules because yeah. I lived in New York and I didn't drive. Like, so yeah. my parents weren't like, yeah. you do this if you get pulled over. Yeah, you put your thinking, hands on the thing. Yeah, like, I just didn't know the steps. I was about to open the door to go talk to the cop. I would have been gone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 100%. Like, almost, and my friend stopped and was like, don't open the door. You never open the door. I was like, oh my God, like, what do you do? Like, not, I don't, I'm not You're a like car panic. driver. I'm yeah. a city girl. What do you, you yeah. know? And he's just stay here. Like, the cop will come. So the cop comes and it's like, hey, what are you guys doing? Well, like, like, oh, we're just like driving around. There's been a high rate of like prostitution and stuff going on in the area. Can you verify how you know this girl? And I was like, I'm oh, a prostitute. Oh my god. I was so confused. When did I become a prostitute? So I was just like, what? Like, what girl? Driving as a hot black girl. Yeah, I'm You're like, looking around. Um, like where is she and yeah. he's, he's like how do you guys know each other like, oh we go to the same school what school evangel oh my niece went there there's no way like have uh, you both gone to evangel so so oh, i'm starting to catch on but he doesn't he, believe i go to the school because yeah. i'm black and so he doesn't fit the white judeo-christian it doesn't like it doesn't visually, for him yeah he's, he's not you're the prostitute like girl. <laughs> you're not you're not <laughs> so i like hand him my id and everything he goes into this whole thing, be safe, whatever, and we leave. And my friend didn't comment on it. Nothing ever happened. There were, like, so many more moments like that in school that, like, I realized how not protected I was generally in America, especially outside of New York City. And I think it actually grew my fear yeah. about not leaving New York. So, like, after graduation, there was, like, more – there was just, like, more situations, some more extreme than others, where when I went back to New York, I – was like I can never leave this place so then what happened was the New York became a new prison for me because uh, I felt like I didn't have a choice and so then with all this like racial uprising that happened yeah like that there was like a flip for me I was cutting off all sorts of people and like saying people that I had allowed to have a lot of like influence and weight in my life and the, the, who were decision makers for me yeah. and so then I had to start to fill those roles myself and then by the time I moved like I was back in New York I had this moment where like I was saying in a conversation with someone I was like like the pandemic is happening and you don't even know the privilege that so many people can comfortably say, I'm just going to move to this other state and I'm going to be safe and my life is going to be better and it's going to be fine. If I move to freaking Alabama, I will not be better, especially at the height of all the stuff that's going on. I'm not going to move to Texas right now. I'm not going to move to like middle America. It just, it sounded like a crazy thing to me. I was like, like when Missouri wasn't even at the height of this, I wasn't that safe there. I watched a roommate that I had hold her bag closer when black people walked by. I literally- While you were there. Yeah, like I was right next to her and she felt the need to protect her stuff. And I was like, why did you do that? She's like, oh, I just don't know them. I know you. And I was like, wow. Oh, okay, this is like a problem. You know what I mean? So it was like you were the safe black person and it, but it didn't detract from their feelings about black racism people. in general. Yeah. Like they were still racist. They were just like, you're okay. You specifically are, are okay. okay. But black people in general aren't are safe. still a problem. And yeah. it would still like, and I would have people say things like this to me in college where they're like, I like you, but I can never bring you to my family. Or I love that we have this relationship here because I've never had a black friend before. Wow. But this is not something that would go back. So it was like, there was always like a little bit of a weird thing that They were was like happening. gatekeeping you. Like, 100%. This is, this is where our relationship is okay. 
So I had to be like a crazy thing to go through as a young person because you're pretty young when you start college and you're in it. Yeah, essentially, like you're just out there just like growing your brain and just trying (laughs) to make it happen. And but to have that like that confrontation for the first time in your life because you weren't raised as a Black American, you were raised as a Nigerian. In New York, (laughs) which is like a whole subset of things. So to have to go and face that racism so blatantly and see that the rest of the country was doing that, that had to be like incredibly disappointing. Oh, totally. And then then you get to the part where you're a woman and like, God, and on my campus, there was some guy like and a woman. Oh my gosh. Leggings were not allowed on our campus. Because they're just underpants, right? Yeah. (laughs) You're just asking to have a tag. You're asking to be raped, obviously. So then, like, they finally let us, like, wear leggings because we've got a female president for the first time. We had a supervisor for the president because they've never had a woman president. That's amazing. She had to get a boss for the first time ever in history. That that checks out. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. And she made leggings legal. Look at her progressiveness. I know. But because of that, we would get dudes writing letters about how, like, they can't concentrate anymore in school. And I was like... That's obviously your fault. This is very alarming. Yeah. I go to school with these people. It's like everything I heard about middle America, I like just started to like live it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I experienced like racism, like like things being like placed on me. Like granted, New York, there's racism there too, but it's different. And I know how to like navigate that. Yeah. I didn't know how to navigate the stuff that was happening out here. I was like, this is how do you do that? This like, is weird. I can't even talk to the counselor because he's racist. Like, yeah. Um, but it was, like, such a weird, like, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, okay, there's, like, stuff being applied. Even, like, within our faith, there's there's like hierarchies and theories I didn't know about. There's, like, the sexualization of, like, my body, but I haven't, because I had Yeah, if you're wearing comfortable clothes, because leggings are essentially just, like, sweatpants or anything else. There, People wear them. I think women wear them because they're comfortable. Yeah. And, and so at the time, I these, wasn't even, like, dating. So it wasn't, like... Of women being comfortable in their skin or wearing what they want. Is, it doesn't matter if you showed up in a negligee, like, ultimately, like, that should, should be, be acceptable. Safe. And no one should feel that entitled to, like, rape you or to be distracted, like, by your body. Like, that's pretty, like, lizard brain activity, right? That's not... <laughs> lizard brain activity. Yeah, it's not, like, a fully formed human way to think about other humans. But then what's hard is when it gets enabled because a community says, you don't have to grow, we'll yeah. just correct the woman. It really... Yes. It creates, like, such a toxic and unsafe, like, space. And, like, I think I started to develop attitudes toward, like, women who were, like, freely confident in, like, wearing whatever they wanted to wear because I'm, like, hello, we're trying to be safe here. And then I, like, had a whole, like, incident where... That's misogyny. Like, misogyny is all about, like, women policing other women. Like, it's not usually men saying it to you. You get that overt sexism. But I think so commonly it's it's women. women policing other women. And that's that's how we do it. That's how you keep these structures of... alive yeah of just like total anarchy and chaos of it's such a problem and now i'm so far from that place but it took a lot of like bad things right and like things that really should never have had to happen and i started because of the bad things i started to realize oh my god it's not what i do it's not even about how i think i am there are certain things that are literally just set in motion yeah some people are going to treat women a type of way because that's how they treat women yeah. Some people are going to treat black people type books. That's how they treat black people. And it doesn't matter how I identify necessarily or communicate necessarily in time for them to make that judgment yeah. um, about me and to move accordingly. And then it felt like a few things that I had loved became like burdens, right? So like New York became my only option. Right? Yeah. So that became a jail. Then it was like being the poster kid everywhere became an issue because I realized what it meant you're the to be good black, You're the good black person that yeah. they hold up and say, look at this girl. And I noticed like all the other black people who were being like treated not well. Yeah. Um, and I also realized that my treatment was hyper-conditional. Yeah. If you, know, you showed up this way, if you showed up Christian, 
if you showed up. And in the traditional palpable sense. Like, right. Because even if I, I am Christian, but like practice differently and show up differently and right. more inclusive and whatever, like I immediately am more questionable and alarming now. But I felt that there were like all these like ways that I was like starting to realize I wasn't living. I was like filling a spot. Like I actually like felt like a quota mark and I felt I felt like I was like all the color was like leaving me a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's all heavy shit. That's yeah. Incredibly heavy. And then like it was like dark. Like it was like I had a few like rough points and then whatever. And so like, I, the pandemic happens. I'm like, I'm looking at a map of America. I'm trying to figure out where the hell I'm going to go. To escape your prison. Yeah. Because I, I think I needed to prove to myself too. Like I could live somewhere else. Like I needed something bigger than this. And I needed to know that I could drive after seeing so many the way that I it's like I did a box jump once and I missed and then my toe hit the box oh, yes. um, and like the girl I was working with she goes you have to jump right away because you'll get in your head otherwise that you yeah. can't jump and like, I jumped right away and it helped me right? yeah and I think in a way that's what happened with the whole like Ahmad Aubrey and like the George Floyd thing is like I was watching people be shot up doing nothing yeah. being like killed doing nothing in places that I would be nervous to go to anyway. And so then I was like, I will not live in a world where I cannot imagine, like I cannot have a cul-de-sac opportunity where I can run. And I don't want to always be afraid. So like, I was so inspired, like hearing stories of people who were like, we're running for a mod. Like they would run for miles or people don't like, wow. when I would see like black people doing like solo runs at night, I'm like, holy cow. Cause that's like something that like scared me. Yeah. Um, or I was watching like black people like relocate and move to the south or move to middle America. Things I said I couldn't do. And I realized that they were doing it. And I was like, I can live in this reality for the rest of my life. Where like I know because I've experienced in Missouri that there is an external like placement that like will come with a relocation that yeah. doesn't exist in New York City in the same way. But New York isn't perfect and there's a bunch of issues here too. Or I can give myself the gift, right, of really getting to live my life. I can use the license that I got that I thought I was going to need when I got it. I can like have a bigger home one day and maybe eventually get my parents to move into a home or something. Yeah. I could do something different. You know what I mean? And so I was trying to figure out like where I was going to move. I was like leaning into like maybe California because then I could be like an artist and creative, whatever. Or like, or like the Midwest was cheap or whatever. And I was like also navigating a few other things. And a friend at the time who like, we're like, we're not connected really anymore now, but she and I at the time were like so close. And I got on, a, I got on a call with her and I told her, I was like, hey, I just need a break. And yeah. I was like in such like a desperate place. She literally mentioned like coming out to Utah, like not for very long. And I was like, I booked the ticket. And she's like, you did what? And I was like, I booked the ticket. <laughs> I'm coming to Utah. <laughs> and so I came to Utah, saw it. And I had this feeling. It was so weird because Utah is not somewhere I would ever like just flippantly explored. No, it's I don't know that I would have. Yeah, I'm, I don't even yeah. know like how. But and I've been to like other parts in the West that I always felt were like safer for me to go as a black person. Sure. Utah's just not the place that I would think of. No, it wouldn't, like, one of those, one of the most surprising things to me that you were here by choice. Oh, 100%, yeah. yeah. But I was, like, also, like, I was unnerving a lot of things. There was, like, a lot of stuff going on with, like, the year. And I came out to Utah, and I told myself, I was like, let's not make this about white people. Like, I was visiting a white girl. I was like, let's not make this about white people. Why, what do you think about Utah? Yeah. And I realized that I love seeing the sun. Yeah. I, like... 
I felt safer and wondering what's happened with French fries. <laughs> as much as I love There's them. There's that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, like, he's doing him. You're doing you. I'm you know like, where to find me, French fries. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, don't. Don't find me. <laughs> I'll, I'll, don't call me. I'll call you. Like, I'm like, I'm not worried about some of the neighborhood stuff. I... I like loves. I didn't know that I was like affected by like weather. I kept saying yeah. to my friend at the time, I was like, I feel like I can play here. Yeah. And play is just not a feeling I've had in a while. Play is a gift. So like the feeling that you could play here after going through all of that, he's that checks out. Yeah. I, I I like you told me like how you ended up here, but not yeah. really. Like you going through all of this like emotional work that was thrust upon you, like totally makes sense totally. that like. Having, I get it. Like I got to Salt Lake City. I don't know if, if I feel this way about all Utah, but like I got to Salt Lake City. I'm like, oh yeah, it feels homey. It feels like a yeah, home. Salt Lake for sure. And yeah, not the all of Utah, but like, yes. <laughs> but I think the other thing that really helped is like that it was a Mormon state because yeah. since like I grew up in such a hyper Christian, and I've been in so many denominations, like Catholic, Presbyterian, yeah, um, like just like I've been in so many, the AG, Pen, whatever, and. So you got it. You yeah, I'm it. like, I'm in there. I got it. I know the doctrines. I like did some seminary stuff. Like I'm here. Yeah. I got it. But I came out here and I saw, I was like, oh, like Mormon faith doesn't apply to me. Yeah. It, it's such a subsect that it's its own thing. Yeah. And so what's great is I can actually work through my faith, like the traumas and the good parts because everything that they're working through has nothing to do. But at the same time, I relate to their journey. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think that there's, there's like a subset of Mormons or people that are like ex-Mormon or, you know, left the church. So I I would imagine that there's like a culture of people who are also deconstructing their religions too, that Mm. I don't know if that's something that you've you've related to or connected with, or if that's something that speaks to you or not. Oh, totally. And I think like, between that and like always have been a floater and like looking for outliers like salt lake has a way of attracting oh and gathering <laughs> so many outlier type people very much that without meaning to i chose the perfect city and yeah. like i would have never come here without yes. the covering of a friend who already knew because it is a, if but you yeah it's not, it's not something that's advertised come to salt lake city where we're getting through shit yeah <laughs> and my thing is like regardless of whatever happens with that relationship like i am grateful that i was able to come here and see it and yeah. i'm also like grateful to myself that like I made the decision yeah to go hey this will be better and I am willing to try it and I think that's not always like the reaction because you there's so many people who like grow up and they like build households and families and they just don't try stuff yeah because they're scared and or it's too late or I, I've wondered about this for too long or whatever and or I have this conception that's so strong but yeah. I was afraid to drive here and then I found that it was like not a healthy dynamic for me in, in that friendship to not be driving. And so like when I realized I needed to do this for me, if I was going to build a life here that was going to be authentic to who I am, I made myself drive. I was a terrible driver. It was not safe for people on those days. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a good time. Um, it was a bad. Uh, like I drove and yeah. I drove badly until I drove okay. And and I think that's been the thing. It's like I've just been like my fear threshold is still what it was, but I'm okay with that because I recognize that most people have the same threshold. Yeah. Um, my failure capacity is higher now because I, I have a lot of failures that I can like think which of. Which is beautiful. And they're great, you know? Yeah. Uh, Heap on the Web, which is the woman I follow on Instagram, has a song out that it's basically this line over and over again, but she does tries different things and it's the song goes sucking at something's the first step of being good at something yeah. and then just failing at stuff. And I think there's something beautiful about putting yourself in a position be able to fail because it is it, it's like a major blast of, of the fear because the fear is that you're going to fail but if you're already failing at it like, like oh, you might man. as well just keep going and right? you're like, right <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> like it already happened. Yeah. Uh, so you already did that, and now you can move on and, and maybe enjoy, find joy in stuff, and yeah. find peace in life. And oh, totally. Literally find your actual peace. My actual, actual peace. Your I your think, and that's like what I want. Like I just want to be like I want to be at ease. I want to be like centered. I want to be sure. Yeah. Um, even when I'm not sure, and I, I feel like I'm getting there. I feel yeah. better about that. Um, that desire and, comes across so strongly. I think when you meet you. I want it so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I like really want to be happy. And I want my, I want this life, this one that I know about, that I'm sure about. Yeah. The one that you good. actually are experiencing. And yeah. Yeah. I want this one to be good and I want to be good to as many people. And I also know that I'm going to be like that in some people's books. And I, and that's cool. I've come to be okay with that. And it's their business. It's not it's your like, business. It's like, yeah, I don't have to agree with their book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I'm not even going to buy your book. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I wouldn't be interested in your book anyways. That's <laughs> so, fine. Yeah. Yeah. And let's say like in Utah, I've dated more than I've in my whole life I've like made more friends and lost more friends I've tried a bunch of stuff and been bad at it I've kept myself like cutting an apple and like yeah. sent myself to an emergency room didn't get it <laughs> like I've just like I got a dog I got over my fear of pets um and like it's like been thing after thing all the it's almost like without meaning to everything I've ever placed as a limit on myself that was like I can't do this or I don't know if I can do this or maybe this is not gonna work like just had to try it and podcasting I've always wanted to do this I've always wanted to talk to people and ask them questions and I've done like interviews and stuff for like news stations like local ones in the Bronx and stuff but you were like you're puppeted to say what they want you to say and look how they want you to look and I was like I want to build my own space and I want to (laughs) ask people questions and I want to dig deep and also I really want to find a community here of people who are like going to do that work of yeah. like I you know and I, I really even want to keep and champion the community from afar that's I'm doing that work you know what I mean of asking myself the question of pushing and trying to figure out like what works for me who am I and people like fumbling in conversation and kind of finding their footing and like whoever yeah. they are and whatever but I think there's something about this like super imperfect podcast that like works it's super fun and I feel like the humans that you interact with are like amazing like pieces and reflections of, of things that you're curious about and that's so beautiful and I don't know you're quite a bit younger than me please but I just like interacting with you you like inspire me to be a better human and to show up differently oh that's so beautiful so, you're good you're a good person but like, yeah sure, no but I, I I feel like you are that and you you attract that and I just think the world needs people like you that show up in the way that you do and that ask the questions and that notice the things because Everything that you noticed, all the discomfort and all the things that were put on you are real. And there's so many people denying those things and not giving space for those things that are super important. And I think just having you talk about your actual lived experience in like such a beautiful, authentic way is just, God, we need that. We need that so much. And so I thank you for just showing up the way you do and the authenticity you bring to everything. But what does future look like for peace? What's your goal? What does peace 2.0 Utah look like? The Utah experiment. I know. <laughs> or is it outside of Utah? What Dude, does the future look like? Like until I, because you've tackled so many beautiful things, like driving here cross country and driving in general, <laughs> and, and being in a new space and taking on new responsibilities and being a hiker and learning how to bike ride this year. Like you're doing all of the things, so all of the scary new things. But what fears do you have? What things are you still intimidated by? What what things are you still scared of? Do you have things that are you feel still stuck on? Yeah. I think if I were to like my fears down, I think 
there's like a fear that it's all smoke, smoke yeah. and mirrors, and there's like nothing to see here. I think that's like a big one. I think another fear that I have for sure is that I would have done a lot of things, but like somehow missed all the important ones. That's like a small panic of mine, but like it happens every now and again. It's just reflecting back like on marriage and that kind of thing, like yeah. kids. Like, what happens if, like, I accomplish a bunch of stuff and all, like, my career goals come to pass and I'm never, like, loved by a family that I make, you know what I mean? And, like, there's not, like, a partner that chooses me for, like, the right reasons and, like, or I settle for someone because I'm just so afraid that there aren't going to be better, like, choices out there, you know what I mean? So I feel like I end up, so as, like, a safeguard measure, I think I like defer to community a lot in those spaces, mostly because I think somewhere inside I know that I'm not, like, I've never been hyper thrilled about anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, like to a way where I'm like, I don't need to talk about this like a thousand times because I'm sure I just haven't had that feeling. I don't know. I'm like, if it's a real feeling, then yeah, maybe, but I just haven't. It's a hundred percent normal. And I think this idea of hurry up and settle down because time is fleeting kind of thing yeah. is like so prevalent, specifically, I think in religious communities, but I think in all of like anyone who's ever wanted to settle down ever you like look around and you go like I'm not like tickled by my options I'm not, like, <laughs> I'm not feeling this so hard I don't need to have like communication around it or whatever but I feel like you're such an exceptional human that like you need to be met on that level and so I'd see it be like extra an extra challenge for you mm-hmm. to have someone who's when it's like thoughtful and shows up as well as you do but also has the same excitement about life I would really like them to be excited about life yes it would honestly be better if they were (laughs) yes but I think it's out there yeah I think that's out there for you it's like one of those things where it's just like it's time and it happens and it feels like you know when you're wanting something like right now or you're worried about missing out on something that's scary as hell yeah and I think I need to just this is like gonna be the hardest thing for me because I I can see the visual it feels like when you're like clutching something because you're so scared that if you let it go it's gonna be gone forever like it's gonna go into the void and so I feel like I'm like holding on to this like I like want this like relationship that's gonna work out and it's gonna be so great for me and it's like when and then they'll all see I don't know like, then they'll all see <laughs> then they know yeah. and I'll have a family and kids and they'll be so like a little obsessed with each other and they'll be perfect and yeah like, like I think I get like that which is crazy because I don't think that's what anyone like who doesn't know me really well looks at me and goes that's her big dream you know what yeah. I mean like because like I have all these other ones that probably seem more like interesting right like it's I want to speak in more places um, yeah but I've also spoken in places so I'm not it's like one of those environments that you haven't delved into yeah, you I haven't had the serious relationship you haven't had children yet so it's something yeah like I, I get that like, yeah I have one and it's just it is it's they are amazing they do make like holidays funner because like it's fun to have someone excited about shit if you're going to be excited like it's cool to have someone also join you in that excitement where they're like yeah let's go Easter egg it up. Let's go, like, whatever the thing is. Let's go celebrate that thing. And I want to watch, like, the human mind. It's like a a young child, like, start to form opinions and perspectives and, like, find themselves. Like, And I want to be able to, like, affirm and support in whatever ways I can. And, like, offer offer them options. Because I didn't have those kinds of options. And so I think that... And it's... I don't know. I I think that's, like, the thing that I'm, like, super curious about is, like, how that all works. And I'm, like, also, I'm really curious about, like... How does conflict resolution work in a relationship where you guys are like romantically like connected and if you want to like fight like for the thing? I'm so fascinated by people's like marriage dynamics. I'm like, how does that work? What? Especially when I feel their friendships. Yes. Like I'm like, that's so cool because it feels like you are people. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I never want to have that like that wall. Like my parent is not human. Where you're more like a function versus yeah. an actual human. 
So I think like literally everything I'm like working toward is so that I can get to that kind of person that can then have the big dream of having a family. So like, it's funny because if it meant like I had this like podcast that takes off or like something really crazy happens, there's a business that sells or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, okay, those skills are going to make me good at this. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's beautiful. I think that's like, it's the real life stuff. It's like the going to the grocery store and coming home and watching TV. And it's that stuff that like really does round out your life. It, doesn't have to be kids or marriage but it's yeah. those moments that are just like they're real so I totally get the desire for that and I, I don't think there's anything like overly simplistic about it like I think it's a good mm. a good goal and a good dream and beautiful and I totally see you in that like I see you killing it as like a mom and partner I definitely want a partner yeah because you're definitely a friend partner so I see you being like a really solid yeah I want to be like an equal yeah and that there's so much beauty to that. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're going to have that. Yeah. And I can't wait to be there for that. I'm so pleased <laughs> to be there for that. <laughs> I'm no yeah, glad I know that you before that so that I get to experience that with you. I just, I want to experience myself also, like, before the, like, the big dream happens. Like, yeah. I would love to watch myself let go of, like, the need for that security. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to do that. I yeah. actually don't know how I would do that. But I would love to get to a place where yeah. I like not fake let it down so that something happens, but like right, like really legitimately, like, authentically, let it rest and go and do things I enjoy. Yeah, and like you know what I mean, and just be happy in my life. Yeah, that's like really like my big dream for myself. Like in this next year, I'm like trying to like not overcommit. I have four jobs. I'm trying to have one job <laughs> next year. That's so adult of you to have one job. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to have one job next year uh, in 2021. Like yeah. I want to just be accountable for my own joy yeah. um, and be present in that, people's that's lives. That's what makes great partners is I, I don't know who said it, but it was an expression, something along the lines of I, I want to be desired, not required. Mm. And I think there's something so beautiful about actually just being in a relationship where they just dig your company versus requiring your company. Cause like it's an like, IV. Oh my Don't God. I need like you. you can't go anywhere. <laughs> I, need I need you. And also if you could pick up my dry cleaning, but like, <laughs> there's something amazing just about having someone who goes, no, I really enjoy your company and I just want to be here as, as long as you'll let me be. And that's, yeah. that's beauty I see in your life, in your future. I just know it's going to be an amazing piece. And I think we should do a return podcast on the other side of that. That'd be crazy. Yeah. You're like, I want out. I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> She's like, fuck this. I'm just kidding. Kids are the worst. <laughs> You're like, I take it all back yeah. for that old life with the orange couch. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Man. No, thank you. This has been such Thanks, a good. Peace. Like, You're amazing. And I just, yeah. I'm excited to see that your future stuff that you do. And thank you for highlighting all the beautiful people you bring into my life and everyone else's life on this podcast. Thank you for like the safe space to share the story so openly. And like, yeah, you're insane. And like, I felt pretty aware racism, but it was really interesting just to hear your experience, not even like labeling it as such, but just your experience of it in in real non-New York America and thanks for sharing that because I think that's a message that's just like beautiful and heartbreaking and needs to be shared and I hate that you've experienced it I hate that you still experience it I hate it for you yeah yeah I tell you when you find safe people yes I feel like I've got like a stronger filter now than I've ever had in my life I like I can look we can chat twice and I'll know this will never work or this isn't gonna happen for me like (laughs) we we don't have to do this again that's no more but then there's like other times where I'm like oh yeah this is something I want to keep exploring this I want to keep engaging this like and if it's a safe enough enough relationship I'm like 
I will offer, yeah. you know, what I know and hopefully like it's the received. other black and brown people yeah. in your life, like hopefully I'm not like the right. one. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Exactly. We want to be again, <laughs> as you being the poster girl for everybody. Like, I really would like for you, people like to I'd not rather not be the me. poster <laughs> person in everyone's friendships. Let's let's be real. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully everyone's got a good variety of humans in their lives. Yeah. I would say on a peace tip and my experience of peace, go out there and, and make you some diverse humans and love and, that. And, and 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 go out there and in general and meet actual humans while we're out <laughs> and about. And, in the grocery stores and about and when they're walking their dogs go and maul them and make them your friends because it's worth it it's so worth it it's the only way to live i'm just saying <laughs> it doesn't suck it doesn't suck thank you Thanks, so please. much you're the best love, love you. you bye